Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Brett Brunick. Brett is the Executive Vice President and Chief Digital and Technology Officer at Thrivent, a Fortune 500 diversified financial services organization with $162 billion in assets. His is a newly created role, and he's been tasked with accelerating the organization's transformation into a digital first organization. I'm looking forward to hearing more about all that that entails. He joined the company in May of 2021, and he's a past chief information officer at TCF Bank. Brett, welcome to Technovation. Great to speak with you today. Good morning, Peter. Fantastic uh, to be here, and I appreciate the time. No, it's my, my pleasure, certainly. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's chief information officer, Jackie Gushalar. As we enter a time of hybrid work environments, Jackie wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of this emerging trend and make informed decisions on the future of work. Jackie, over to you. Hi, this is Jackie Gushalar, SVP and CIO of Cisco. Today, we're at a unique time in history with the ability to redefine work. Work is no longer where you go, it's what you do and how you do it and it is powered by the convergence of people, technology, and places. It's permanently reshaping expectations of both employees and employers alike. To navigate this changing landscape, Cisco's Hybrid Work Index can help you make informed decisions by providing global insights on people's preferences, habits, and technology use in the era of hybrid work. It's based on millions of global data points and insights to help you win the war for talent, accelerate your innovation, and enhance business safety and security. Search Cisco Hybrid Work Index to learn more. Thanks, Jackie. And now on to our broadcast. Well, Brett, I thought we'd begin with a background into your organization. Many people have probably heard of Thrivent, but it's probably worth our taking a moment and, in your words, hearing a bit more about the business that you're in. Now, take a moment to, to, to offer a bit of background, if you would. Sure. Thank you, Peter. You know, it's funny. I grew up the last 20 years in the Twin Cities, and I knew of Thrivent, but I myself didn't know a lot about Thrivent. So when I was looking for new opportunities, I've been pleasantly surprised and, and encouraged, but... Uh, you're not alone. There's lots of people who know of Thrivent, but don't, don't know, you know a lot about it. So, you know, Thrivent is probably the, the least understood, you know, Fortune 500 company. Um, I think we're in the Fortune 400 if you if you look at the numbers today. Full range of financial services, you know, whether that's advice and investments and insurance, banking, and and we're really proud of our generosity programs. Um, lots of people don't realize we have two million clients that we serve. As well as those communities, which, you know, like I said, I was <laughs> also a little bit shocked about. Um, and we we manage 183 plus billion in, in assets, so it's a fairly large organization. What what makes Thrivent unique is is really not just the products that we offer and some of the the services we offer, like advice, uh, but it's the purpose. And this is what drew me to Thrivent. You know, our purpose is we believe humanity thrives when people make the most of all that they've been given. Um, which, you know, in today's society where kind of purpose and kind of principles matter to the society when they're making their choices of who they do business with, I think it's really positive that that's always been in the DNA of Thrivent. Um, and, and, and I think it resonates with, with the clients that we serve and the members that we have. And then we kind of, you know, execute that through some principles, right? So this idea of fusion and of finance and faith and inspiring generosity, um, 
So that's the great part, right? The principles and purpose of the organization drive our organization. Um, and yes, we're in financial services and provided advice, but I think it, it you know positions us as, as, as a differentiator in the, the minds of prospecting clients and, and the members and clients that we serve today. Thank you for that overview, Brett. Uh, let's get into your role. Uh, you are the Chief Digital and Technology Officer. As I mentioned in the intro, it's a newly created role uh, reporting directly to uh, Thrivent's CEO, Terry Rasmussen. And I wonder if you could take a moment and talk a little bit about that role uh, and the two sides of it, the digital and the technology officer aspects of it. And, and why now? Why was this an appropriate role for the organization to put in place uh, at this point in the company's life cycle? Yeah, you know, the why I think is probably similar to a lot of different industries. You know, um, you know, I spend a lot of time in retail and and working for working for Target, helping you know, make that pivot, you know, to a digital and experience driven organization, spent time in banking, as you mentioned, with, with, with TCF, um, making that same pivot. And I think the board and Terry, our CEO, you know, recognizes that the financial services industry, the insurance, life insurance industry and others, you know, need to make that same pivot. So that's a little bit of the why there was a, there was a CIO. So we've, we've historically had a CIO role, We've historically had a chief data officer role, which we still do. And we've had digital on that from the experience side has been, you know, throughout the organization, if you will, kind of more functionally aligned. So what we did is we kind of pulled the technology groups together. So I have the technology teams. I have kind of what we call the digital design and, and experiential teams. Um, we have the data teams and then I have the security team. So we just decided, you know, to get this digital momentum moving, you've got to get most of those parts right. <laughs> so let's logically put those parts together under, under common leadership um, to help, you know, kind of incubate and drive. You know, as I as I say to Terry, and, and this is just my opinion over the years, I really think the CDO part of my role is, is temporary. You know, I think digital needs to be in the, become in the DNA of an organization and not, you know, be a role, if you will. Um, but I've seen the need to kind of create a catalyst and, and incubate, if you will, to drive it when it's when it's not in the DNA. So that's a little bit of the why and, and kind of the logic behind it. Um, but hopefully I kind of work myself out of a job on that part, if you will, in the next five years as, as we make the pivot. I really love what a compelling and interesting and, and even somewhat provocative way of framing that, especially given the fact that it is your role, Brett. I, I like that a lot. So di digital, if, I, if I'm, you let me know if I'm getting this correct. So digital uh, requires some emphasis during a period of transformation. And just as there's like, you know, customer experience and digital customer experience, or even digital marketing versus marketing uh, to, to name a, a number of disciplines that might have a analog or traditional way of doing things. And then a digital version of those. I, I, I think I'm hearing you say you'll know that your job is 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 done or far enough along that maybe the D comes out of your title once once all those things are one. That digital is part of the you know the the the, the fabric of the organization organization woven rather tightly in. Is that is that right? Yeah. Again, that's my you know that's my perspective on it. You know, I saw this again in, in other industries. You know, you mentioned the great examples, right? You know, to get really good. You know, Target was fantastic at branded marketing. Clearly, you know, yes. one, of the, one of the best, but we needed to get good at digital marketing, right? Which they're, they're, they're clearly much better and, you know, I'd call them pretty good at that now. Um, 
But in that moment, right, when we were, you know, e-commerce was nascent, but store stores were dominant or traditional, you know, mass media and marketing was dominant and digital marketing was more nascent. Same thing with banking, you know, branches and, you know, analog fulfillment versus kind of digital, you know, digital fulfillment. You, you just need some power, you right, to, to kind of drive that. But you don't want, you know, marketing and digital marketing to be separate. You want it to be part of marketing. Right. You don't want, you know, banking. Uh, it's just banking. Right. People people just want to bank. You know, they, they how they bank is changing and the experience that you need to build and the platforms you need to build and the different channels that you need to nurture, you know, are clearly more diverse than they were 30 years ago. Um, but my opinion is I'm here to help get it to, you know, into the DNA of the organization and jumpstart it a little bit. So I spent a lot of time with our marketing team, for example. I don't own marketing or digital marketing, um, but I have a you know experience set that can help. Um, and so I spent a lot of time with our CMO, his name is Rohit, um, on our you know web experience and our you know how do we actually do targeting and segmentation and and you know campaigns and site experience. Um, just as a here to help as a voice who's been through some of this stuff in other industries and bringing that into Thriven, because for some, this is our first time in, you know, progressive digital marketing, for example, it's, we're doing a really good job, but we really just started 24 months ago. You know, we've got an investment in our brand that we've, that we've, that we've ramped up here in the last couple of years as well. So it's, the timing is great, um, but I see myself as creating some capabilities and some competencies that the organization doesn't have and making sure they get embedded into to the DNA of the organization. That's very interesting. I'd love to talk about some of those, those capabilities. I mentioned at the outset that uh, the vision in your role as it was described when you took it on was to accelerate the organization's transformation into a digital first organization. To talk a bit about um, the sorts of things that are necessary in order to breathe life into that statement and be, to truly become digital first. Yeah, so I, I'm a big believer in this this competency because I call it sustainability, sustained innovation, right? So anybody can do a short-term piece of work fix uh, an experience or, you know, a broken journey, right? you know, here's my journeys, here's some broken journeys, let's improve some experiences. But most teams, most organizations can do that um, and have done that. But to sustain it, you need those competencies, right? So the experience competency is a good example, right? So we've got to build a muscle in the organization who can can really do the, that, that journey work and truly understand what are what I call product level experiences look like. So, you know, what are what are those, what are our products? What are the experiences? What are the journeys? What are the broken journeys? What are our roadmaps to address those? How do we get build a design competency, right? So user-centric design competency. We built started to build that competency in the organization. We're scaling that competency because we know experience, whether that's experience through how we provide advice through you know an advisor. Or that experience is more of a self in a self service digital first way. It, um, we we're going to need those competencies, and if you build really strong data competencies and and insights competencies and experience competencies and technology competencies, you'd not only you know kind of solve the friction points of today, but 
then you know we have confidence that five years down the road, as the market continues to pivot, consumer or client, what we call client expectations continue to rise, we're just as equipped to kind of solve what we don't even know is a problem or opportunity five years down the road as the ones that are that are here today. So building out those competencies is, is part of, of uh, kind of my first six months is assessing where we have those competencies, where we have gaps, uh, working with my peers across the ELT and Terry uh, to build those out. Again, again, the goal isn't to you know, centralize all these competencies under a CDO, it's to build them into the DNA of the right parts of the organization. And I might incubate a few, a little, a few of those, like a design competency, for example, which I have in my in my digital team. But ultimately, we need every team building great products with great digital experiences, and they can do design. Um, so that's the scale part that we'll that we'll work on here for the next couple of years. That's a great overview. I really appreciate that, and I, I love the idea of of making the innovation, making the practices sustainable. That's really uh, it can't be just a one time thing. Um, You've alluded to, and I want to delve a little bit deeper into it, the the customer experience aspect of this. You've you've been a, a technology leader long enough to know that uh, for a lot of, of uh, chief information or digital or technology officers, traditionally, if you ask them who their customers were, they would say their colleagues. And I think one of the great uh, changes o- across the past decade, and, and for many companies, a lot less than that, has been uh, IT and digital leaders uh, having much more of a say in the true customer uh, experience. That is the people that provide revenue for for the company as opposed to colleagues. Um, And and, I mean, I should say in addition to colleagues, but not thinking of colleagues as customers, but actually uh, bearing in mind who the true customers of the business are. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that transformation as well. Um, I, I no doubt a lot of it accelerated through the pandemic in terms of adoption of digital means of collaborating with an organization like Thriven. Can you talk a bit about your, your vision and some of the changes that have, have been afoot and maybe even some that are coming? Yeah, I, again, this is, a, this is one of those fundamental pivots that you see. Um, and I, I always go, I'm always grateful for my, for, for my background here as well. When I joined banking, I heard the term account for like the first six months. I'm like, you know, there's a person behind that. (laughs) There's an actual customer. It's not an account. It's a customer. But financial services was so used to how much deposits and how many accounts that we we needed to bring in that context, customer centric, even language, right? We, you know, had to build a different language for the organization to say, no, there's a, there, there is a customer and we need to understand the wants and needs of those customers. So we built things like needs assessments and we had to change our vernacular and say, we've got to put some methods in place around voice a customer. And it's similar, similarly at, at you know, at Thrivent, I think we are very uh, client centric, but our language is evolving because we still talk in somewhat financial services related language, you know, life, health, and annuity or a product, right? We, we, we sell products. We're trying to down message that we are want to show up to our clients in a product centric way and show up in a more of an experience. What do you need way and really understand those needs in the language of our clients um in broader terms you know organizations use the term customer um and it's just simple you know it's it seems simple 
right? But it's actually more difficult in, than, 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 than you think. You know, people don't go to Google and say, I want a life insurance policy, right? What they say is, well, how, how do I protect my family if I die? Their need, their, you know, their, what's in their head, what they're processing as a, as a, as a, as a client, you know, I want to be, be prepared for retirement. Their, their needs expressions are what we have to read, how we have to change our language. So we really talk in those expressions that are around, around client need. And then we can provide, you know, the products and services and experiences to fulfill those needs. But that's a pivot we're making, uh, you know, organizationally. You know, we, we have a lot, an intermediary business today. We don't do direct to consumer or client in our language sales of most of our products. Um, we do that through 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 the advisor. So, you know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves that the advisor isn't the client. The client is the client, right? And we're all here, the advisors and all of us, to help provide a great experience and a great set of products and services. But again, it seems obvious that the client is the client, the customer is the customer. But typically, if you have a more of a sales product oriented and fulfillment language, um, there's a pivot that that we have to make, and we're making good progress. We just did our, you know, just did a, a a full recap of kind of what are our journeys today, what are our friction points and broken journeys, and one of the things we noticed is even our language was still kind of what we call kind of inside out, and now we're using this phrase outside in to make sure that we start to talk in the voice of our, of our client. That's a great way to frame it. I appreciate you. appreciate that. You've mentioned on uh, a few times now, uh, the way in which you've borrowed from experiences across the industries you've been a part of, uh, as you called out, you, you spent some meaningful time at target, uh, major retailer, uh, at TCF bank was it your, 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 a foray into financial services, which continues now, uh, at Thrivent as well. And I'm curious, you know, it, it, it must be interesting and you've already alluded to this, but again, if I'd love to mine it a little bit deeper, if you don't mind the extent to which you, you are able to draw analogies from one to the other. Um, and in, in, in addition to the extent to which, um, you know, adoption and comfort with, uh, uh, digital means of doing business, by the way, both from the company perspective, as well as the, uh, the customer perspective, uh, I assume those analogies have been, have been important to you. And I wonder if you can highlight or underscore some of those commonalities. Yeah, I, I, I think they're, they're almost necessities, you know, the, the, the kind of customer centric digital transformations hit you know, retail before it hit financial services. Um, so I can borrow from what that felt like and what that pivot looked like and kind of what worked and what didn't work because we learned through some successes, which we also learned through failure. Um, and so other industries, you know, that I can draw on from those experiences, A, gives me some confidence and I can kind of help steer. I mean, transformations are all just about change. And to go through change, you know, and having some experience of going going through those changes in other companies and other industries is incredibly helpful because organizations find themselves going, we know we need to change. How do we do that? And what does that feel like? What does that look like? And so to be able to storytell, 
because storytelling is one of the fundamental, you know, fundamental tools to help organizations through change and draw on those ex examples. And I've had the luxury of drawing on examples from retail, which almost everyone, all of us as, as human beings can, can, you know, re retail resonates with, with, with them. Right. And they go, Oh, that makes total, you know, that makes total sense. Right. So I was just doing this yesterday, you know, drawing on, you know, a point of sale example, a, a self checkout example, and a you know, e-commerce example, helping people understand a thriving, you know, that's just different ways for target to provide a way to buy those different goods and services, whether it's assisted through a team member in a store or, or direct. We have that same paradigm here, but we don't think about it that way because we don't think of ourselves in a kind of a, you know, uh, a retail omni-channel cross-channel uh, delivery model today. But that's exactly what we are trying to prepare for in the future. So to be able to draw on those examples, it's easy to resonate because most people are consumers in a, in a retail sense. And then obviously layer in the, the examples from banking. I, th I think it helps a lot, um, not just with kind of business and technology or uh, you know business and experience leadership, but even in my technology teams, it helps me understand different architecture and patterns for what, again, with some of these companies and other industries I've already going through, you know, the value of the technology, the value of APIs to power experiences. Those are things that are still new for 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 us here at Thrivent. That's another competency that we're going to that we're in the middle of building. Uh, but yeah, I, I uh, I'm grateful every day that I that I and I, that's why I made the change away from from retail. I thought, you know, what other industries really need help, right? From because I think about that from just a consumer, forget a career standpoint, um, and. Five six years ago it was pretty clear either healthcare or financial services. I think really needs you know needed some help. Um, so I'm it's thrilling. I'm I'm thrilled to be able to draw from it, and it's a little bit of the choices that I've made to go to go to these industries that are that are making these pivots. Very interesting. Well, uh, for, for there will be some who are listening uh, who will recognize that across Target, uh, TCF, and now Thrivent. You've worked for three of of the many uh, large organizations in the Twin Cities, and I'm I'm curious. Talk a bit about the environment there for tech talent and and the tech ecosystem more generally speaking. As somebody who's had a reason to to mine it across uh, multiple industries, as we've just talked about, uh, and multiple companies as well. First of all, I think there's a tremendous amount of technology talent in the Twin Cities. Um, and it's not surprising. I mean, it's, if you look at the you know Fortune 500 per capita, it's it's really great kind of talent base here. Um, you know, mature organizations. You know, um, and it's diversity in its industry. So there's lots of folks who have gone through, you know, Cargills of the world or retails of the re, you know Target and Best Buys of the world or healthcare with United Healthcare. So. It's a great group of people who have multi-industry discipline experience, some of which have gone through very transformational industry pivots, obviously with, with retail being the first, with banking right behind it. Ag agriculture is, is clearly in the middle of that stuff right now, CHS and Cargill. So it's a great group. Um, you know, I think as a community, we've also done a really good job um, of cultivating that talent. There's, you know, maybe 10 years ago, lots of us, and I don't take any credit for this. Other people beyond me did this, you know, really started to say, 
even if we don't have as much as we all need, let's start committing to build it. And I really have enjoyed the leadership in this community helping build that. Um, so it's a really good group. Obviously, the world is flat. And so lots of us are borrowing talent from across the globe. And we will continue to do so at uh, at Thrivent, whether it doesn't really need, need to be in Minneapolis. Um, but there's a reason why the base is is strong uh, because of the the number of Fortune 500 companies and great people that have come out of those organizations. Yeah, very interesting indeed. It's it's, it's remarkable uh, how, how many big companies and the diversity of industries, as you point out, in the in the, the Twin Cities area. I wanted to also um, a- ask you, Brett, as you think about trends, uh, given all the transformation that you you are uh, in the throes of right now, and as you look to the future, what trends particularly excite you, uh, and 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 which are beginning to make their way onto your your roadmap? Yeah, you know the the thing that the, the trend that I still um, am most excited about is is kind of the macro transition from what I call corporate IT into technology. Um, you know, people in my profession over the last 20 years have built what I call corporate IT functions, right? You know, let's be supply managers of technology, be procurers of technology. Let's be stewards of budgets of technology. And the trend that I'm most excited about is industries and companies are waking up and realizing we need to be really a technology organization, right? So you've got car companies saying we need to be a technology organization. We've got financial banks saying we need to be technology. So that beyond one pattern of you know a tool or a particular platform which you know i get excited about many of them you know the open source movement right clearly kind of this engineer you know everything is code movement all those movements are 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 fascinating and i think we need to you know continue to to kind of lean in on all of those and we clearly are here at thrivent but the most important trend to in my opinion that's game-changing has been we need to become technology experience-driven organizations and that competency away from just stewarding technology to building and owning and, and creating great products and experiences is the best trend that's happened in 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 my profession in the last five to ten years because um, your mindset is fundamentally different if you believe you are a creator versus a steward um, so I'm super excited that that trend continues, and I, I see it being pervasive across, you know, whether it's big companies or small companies, and it's not just excluded to, you know, a startup out in California uh, or a tech giants in, in in Google or Amazon, but for us in what I call kind of traditional corporate kind of corporate roles, that trend continues to excite me. On the tech side, I still fundamentally, you know, b- believe that the trend around data. And, you know, I'm not a big, big buzzword person, so I, I tend to hate, you know, AI and some of these other words, um, not because they're wrong, but because they're often misunderstood. Um, but clearly the betting on technology and data is going to continue to be incredibly important. You know, we've got to pivot away from, you know, again, stewarding data and managing data to actually using data to drive an improved improve experience and that trend, I still don't think we're very good at it. I think there's a lot of road in front of us there um, in, in most in, in most organizations. So I'm super excited about that one. And then like I said on the on the on the core technology side, 
Um, I don't, I, you know, the best engineers in the world are working as in a community to produce great tools and, and platforms that we all can use to create these great experiences and continuing to embrace that, that pattern is uh, is super exciting because we're going to be able to build amazing products and experiences at fairly low cost with cloud and, and platform engineering team and kind of open source that we just couldn't do. We just couldn't do that 10 years ago. Yeah, very interesting points you raised. Well, Brett Brunick, thank you so much for joining me on Technovation today, sharing a bit about the remarkable transformation that you and the team are leading at present at Thrivent, uh, and a bit about uh, your view of the future, the, 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 some of the nuances and innovations that will be brought to bear uh, to benefit the company's customers. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. Appreciate the time, Peter.